0: Hello, Alyssa, how are you? I'm
1: doing very well, thank you. Wonderful. How are
0: you doing? I'm a little bit tired today, but I'm feeling good inside, which is most important.
1: That's how I'm feeling, too. Something similar.
0: Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll converse well, then.
1: I think so. All right. I think we've done pretty
0: good so far. (laughs) I'm feeling pretty positive (laughs) about it, yes. We seem to have the same conversation every time we start again.
1: It's the perfect way to begin. It
0: is. It is. I agree.
1: How else shall we begin? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no introductory music and frightening. Well, actually, we do have introductory music. It's beautiful. I was going to say that. And now we have Alyssa and Sarah, and they will discuss the topic of today is... What is it?
1: Personal health and well-being.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: It's a little different. Yeah,
0: I like that. Okay.
1: Other territory we've ventured yes,
0: into. Yes, I, I agree. So personal health and well-being. And do you have any particular tangent you would like us to begin on
1: um we've talked a lot about how to take care of oneself Mm -hmm. how to listen to the needs Mm -hmm. that you are having how Mm -hmm. to attend to them there are more specific situations that Mm -hmm. you might find yourself in uh ways of overextending yourself Mm -hmm. um how to negotiate when there are people groups Mm -hmm authority figures yeah
0: demanding of you a certain action that may or may not be good for you mm-hmm. yeah
1: and how do you really delineate your what you can do and what you cannot do
0: yeah I I I feel pretty um uh, strongly about this because I feel as though it's a very common problem and very current problem and I think it comes up a lot I I know it comes up a lot in the professional world, but because it is a job and there's a certain understanding of an obligatory response to your job, and if you are injured, you try your best to work through that injury to a certain degree, and then you eventually have to say, I, I need to get better. So you and your director, uh if we're talking about a dance job, because we are being quite specific right now, you discuss, listen, this is this is my course. Of therapy. This is how long they. These are the modalities I'm using. This is how long they prescribe at this point, which of course is you know a, a little bit of a, a wild card guess, but one hopes it's within that parameter, anyways. And then you either have suspended pay, less pay, understudy step in. You you take on another duty within the company structure. Quite often that happens in the smaller companies. You'll help set things, and you'll just be there. In a school setting, in a training setting, I feel as though there really is this vacuum, this gray area where as a well-trained, dedicated student, there's an understanding and an expectation for you to show up, uh, show up as healthily as you can, maintain your position within groups, Um, maintain your position within classes and class structures, especially if one's working towards a syllabus uh, and exam outcome. But I think once something happens that creates an interruption, such as a sudden injury or a, a, a a lot of the time I see onset of a chronic injury that suddenly has gotten so bad, it's actually preventing normal movement. And I feel that everything kind of halts. And I feel as though... A lot of the younger students are just they're terrified to admit that it's happening and it and I can kind of kind of understand how they feel because in my upbringing, my dad was so unable to deal with sickness he He came from a very healthy, strong constitution family they didn't get you know your average colds and flus very often. Uh, raised in you know northern Ontario, just that strong constitution and, and sickness really was a bit in, a bit of an anathema to him on two levels. One of them was that he didn't know how to help people that were sick. It was just not his general nature, and the other one was he didn't want to get sick. So as soon as you saw someone sick, it was kind of ugh, you know that sort of feeling. And so my brother and I. Really, quite honestly, we would make jokes with each other as we became adults. So we think a lot of the time we scared the sickness away <laughs> because we both didn't want to get sick around dad. And I mean, we were we were definitely healthy and we were lucky to have a lot of uh, what would now be called organic food and organic upbringing. But it was just the way we lived and we didn't get sick very often. And when we did, it was kind of a really big deal in the household. A big deal was made about it. It was, you know, you kind of felt like you were being uh what's that called when you're, oh, you're, uh, you're contaminated. So they put you in quarantine, Quarantine. that's right. So it, it, it was something you really didn't want to have happen. So when I see these young students with that look of slight terror in their eyes, that they don't want to admit that they actually are limping and they can't get past the limp. And how are they going to tell the person who is at the front of the room or the person who they consider to be um, the the person in power. And sometimes, not often, but sometimes it is their parents as well. I, I feel like they automatically, their first thought is, "I'm letting everyone down." And i I guess what I need to get across is is that if you went out and purposely fell off a curb wearing high heels, in the pouring rain and lay there in a you know torrential downpour and let yourself get into you know double pneumonia after you had already contracted a third degree sprain from falling off the curb. Yeah, you sure did let yourself get into that. It's Hollywood <laughs> Exactly she right? certainly is. But more often than not, it was a sheer accident. Mm-hmm. It was happenstance, possibly it was chronic from being overtired and, and overworked and possibly overextended which obviously is a a bit of a problem as well maybe maybe it was brought on because one's physical constitution was not at its height of health because of not eating well enough there are a lot of mitigating factors for sure but I think more often than not what I see are accidents and the accident unfortunately reveals um, an injury that can't be quote-unquote worked through and the first thought is, how do I let anyone know this? And I really feel that the best way is the way that is sanctioned and approved of in government jobs around the world. And that's with the medical note. When in government jobs and union jobs, and the only reason I know this is because my brother has a union job. If you have a medical excuse, it's a medical excuse. It's signed, it's stamped, it's it's a legal document, just as When we go over the border with a child and we're alone and we don't have our mate with us, we actually have to have a legal document that's stamped by an attorney that says, you know, we're just taking her for a weekend trip and the husband knows about it and he has to sign it or the wife knows about it and she has to sign it or else the partner knows about it. And I feel that if once there is a, a a legal document of that variety that is on medical paper that comes from a physiotherapist or a doctor or an osteopath or a naturopath, someone in the medical profession who has studied upwards of nine years to be able to have this degree, I feel that one needs to heed that and realize that person doesn't gain anything from having me injured. It's not as though they don't even have a guarantee that I'm going to come back to them for my therapy. They're just stating what they see. Mm -hmm. They've diagnosed me. They ostensibly have all the tools for the diagnosis because they have studied and they're professional uh, and they've worked in this field. I, I mean, maybe if it was someone fresh out of school that was possibly making errors left and right. I mean, there are poor professionals in every profession, but I feel like that just needs to be understood that once that has been achieved, that is the reason why you should not be continuing on in the way you are continuing on, whether that means dancing full out, dancing at all, uh, performing, etc., And I, I think that both the student and the family, the parents that are supporting the student, need to feel like that is sufficient. And if there's a, if there's a situation in which they feel like they're made to feel like that's not sufficient, then that is a totally separate entity. And that is a situation that I think, as you have said in the past, needs to be unpacked and just realize, well, who's in charge here? Well, the person in charge really is the person whose body's been injured because it's their body. Next, they go to their their elders who are their parents and their parents take them someplace to a professional who's in charge of diagnosing and then perhaps prescribing a, a course of therapy uh, that, that's who's in charge. It, there's no denying that perhaps that, that young student has an obligation to fulfill in the sense that they said they would be in this, usually it's a group, that's a, it's a problem, they would be in a group from September until June. But if an accident happens, that's why it's called an accident. It wasn't intended. And under those circumstances, different things need to prevail. And what do they say? That expression, cooler heads need to prevail. And under those circumstances, I feel as though there needs to be a contingency plan set in place, whether it be understudies, whether it be um, re-spacing, whether it be uh, announcements that, you know, one dancer is missing and we'll be back in four weeks or five weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that it is it is very hard. And over the years, I've been in many situations where I've seen unnecessary undue Emotional stress above and beyond the shock of being injured, which is already as any athlete or physical person and certainly dancer has ever experienced, no one likes sitting out and watching. It is one of the most frustrating exercises on the planet. And it's doubly hard while you're healing because you have that little vestige of insanity in your mind that says, well, I'm feeling better. And oftentimes then people get up too soon and try to do too much too soon. So I feel if the climate of the environment that someone is working in, I feel if the climate is of such a variety that it it makes one self-doubt and it makes one doubt the entities that are supposed to be who we turn to in professional circumstances to diagnose us and help us heal, then I feel like we're running into problems. And I feel like, you know, in in some countries, particularly the states, uh, Any situation that has minors being looked after by an authority figure has the possibility of liabilities and lawsuits. There's a lot of insurance companies that take care of that exact thing because it's not remotely unheard of. There's many a precedent been set in which a parent has turned around and sued a studio director or a teacher for causing harm to their child sometimes irrevocable harm many cases it has been of the more emotional variety that leads to an eating disorder but I've heard of it for injury as well Mm -hmm. so it does it does bother me that I I again have to hearken back to the fact that every time I'm I'm talking about my opinions or my feelings about something I have to say I actually just had this conversation with some young people not too long ago where I I said I I have to say that my personal experiences is, is that I came from a family and a situation, an environmental situation, in which I had my first injury at 17 and a half. So I was really, quote unquote, long in the tooth before I got injured. I was healthy as a horse and so strong before that. And yeah, it was no less devastating. But... I didn't ever feel as though I was being blamed for having been injured and I'd never felt like I was letting anyone down. I just felt like, how do we get this better? And of course, that part of that um, h- sort of hysterical anxiety you're hearing was my thoughts in my own voice. My teacher never made me feel that. Mm-hmm. It was just immediately what happened. Well, let's, let's solve this. And then of course my family, the exact same thing. And my dad was adamant. I remember it was a torn calf muscle and he, he just said, you, you're going to rest. Uh, whatever they tell you, make sure you do, because he had been an athlete for uh, all of his youth up until his early 20s. And he just said, you want to be healthy. You want to be a healthy person and a healthy adult. You don't want a childhood or a youth injury to be following you through life as a mistake that you made and can't ever get back. So I I make myself clear because I I really don't want to assume that everyone must feel the exact same sense of empowerment and strength in those situations. I'm lucky. I feel lucky. Uh, I feel very grateful for what I was surrounded by when I was that really impressionable, vulnerable age. Absolutely. But I really want to help young people that I am, or anyone that, that has that possibility of a situation or scenario coming up for them. I want them to understand it's your body. And I know it sounds, I I don't want uh, studio owners or teachers to feel like I'm trivializing the importance of what they're doing or the, the environment or the event that they are creating. But you have to keep in mind that these are young people and families that are paying to do this. They are not being paid. And they're they're paying not only in a fiscal way but they're paying emotionally they're paying spiritually they're paying physically and the payment physically should be exhaustion and i'm saying should because that's the the, the i guess the price to pay for physical excellence is you get tired mm. it it will be sore muscles it will be the occasional time of feeling depleted it will be the time where one has to sort of Maybe back up a little bit and take stock and check in. Am I eating properly? Am I sleeping properly? But at no time should you be paying in the sense that you have now paid permanently with a tendon, or with a ligament, or with a muscle group, or one muscle, or a flexibility, or or a hip socket, that for the rest of your life. That re- recalls back when you were 14, 15, 16, 17, and, you know, in the spring of so-and-so, you did this, or in so-and-so's class. I mean, that horrifies me. That, that's kind of like the, uh, the stories of the old-fashioned coaches that would just scream at someone who's covered head-to-toe in mud, and there's, you know, a, a thunder, lightning storm outside, and they're screaming, you know, go, 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 insanely, you know, past the point of reason. Go, 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 where? What are we doing this for? and then i i know again this i risk i risk alienating my peers as far as teachers and directors and people in power but i have to say it's really important to remember that when you are in charge of a group of impressionable young people you hold a position of authority quite often you hold power and there is a great anxiety for these young people to please So you need to honor that and treasure that and not inadvertently take it for granted or abuse it in the sense that unconsciously you want them to really want what you want, which is everything to be intact and everything to go as it it did before or as it should, so to speak. Accidents happen. Things don't always work out the way they're supposed to work out. And it is annoying and it is frustrating for everyone involved. And sometimes it's, it's a game changer, so to speak. Um, But it's life. And I feel that I can't stress enough that it is one portion of your life. And that goes for the teachers, choreographers and directors as well. It's one moment. And we're dealing with a human being's body it's It's a human being's body which is going to hopefully have eighty plus moments, and I'm talking one moment a year. so let's say a hundred years worth of moments, and you're one moment. So let's put that into perspective. and i I I know as a mother, I probably will err on the side of caution when it comes to my daughter and physical activity. and if 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 there's a drama or there's something that is not entirely, um, authentic or entirely fleshed out as far as what she's describing or circumscribing or expressing, I will deal with that as a parent. But if there is an obvious physical injury that is furthermore ascertained by a professional, you bet I am going to make sure that gets healthy because I want her to have a long life that's filled with going on walks and and you know, I know this sounds very trivial and simple, but just physical movement. Uh, we can curtail that pretty quickly by doing something silly in our youth. And it's not just in dance. It's, you know, uh, doing that dirt bike race when we can't feel fully our right hand. I mean, that's a big problem. Um, Oh, you know, I could go on. Bad tendinitis and taking off for your hurdles or taking off your 100-meter dash or your long-distance cross-country run. There's just... There's so many things in which um, I feel like coaches and teachers and choreographers and directors need to remember that as much as we might want this moment to be different, it might not be able to be different and to keep in mind that the the thing before us it's not a thing, it's a person and a person with an injury. so they're doubly vulnerable and our our deepest best interests are served by caring for that, as opposed to caring for the original plan. That is 100% my opinion. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, the <laughs> suffix of that entire com- comment was, yeah, because I, I know that uh, there, there are, I mean, there are entire countries that are run in a far more, yes, I will use this political term, fascist nature, in which there is a dictator that says no, that is not how it's happening. This is how it's happening. I, I don't live in those countries, and I don't want to, and I wouldn't operate well in them because I don't like dictating, and I certainly don't like being dictated to. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to say about that.
1: I mean, dance, there's, you know, a, a sort of age-old um, uh, assumption or um, what's the word? Um,
0: uh, Understanding.
1: No, um, and you have a reputation. Right. Your career is going to end early. It's a short-lived Yes, thing. absolutely. And it will end yeah. in injury. Yeah. That's sort of the, yeah. the, the proverb that's yeah. been put out there. Yeah. And it's really, uh, I mean, we're talking about it in a sort of a hyper-specific way of dance, whether that be professional or training as a student. Um, but really, there's sort of a paradigm here around sort of, the way we view injury, the way we live with injury. Yes. Chronic injury is a huge, I mean, the whole world lives with chronic injury, I feel like, at this point in time. Oh, I agree. So it's really, um, yeah, and especially inside of, you know, sport, dance, these things, it has a lot to do with the realm of human achievement, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of this, this, dream mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. sort of you know this goal this aspiration only
0: push a little harder yeah mm-hmm. and
1: so so much of that training especially you know we're all where we're at now we're all coming out of this place of the you know the coach at night screaming mm-hmm. in the rain mm-hmm. we're all sort yeah of moving yeah. you know evolving from that yeah point in time space history and so yeah the so much still in training. We're learning how to work without we've all been taught about how we think we should cooperate, how mm-hmm. we think we should work, how we think we should accomplish.
0: Right. Push, overcome. Right.
1: And and that is a big part of it is learning how to accomplish, learning how to overcome certain things. Yeah. That is a big part of it. Yes it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I feel I I feel that maybe this is a good time to actually segue into one thing that I I do know specifically about myself is that I have had a very clear understanding of my own awareness of myself from a very, I, I actually indescribably young age, I'm not sure when it started, but I always was sure of myself. Does that make sense? You know, and when I say sure of myself, I don't mean I know I'm the best. Or I th- It had nothing to do with anybody else. It really was about myself. So if I was ever in a situation in which that integrity was questioned, which is where I feel like this injury thing quite often goes, I, I mean, I would be affronted and offended as though if I say I'm injured, I am injured. <laughs> I, mean, I know myself so well, and I have nothing to hide. There was no alternative agenda. And it, and same way, I mean, I can remember in a very embarrassing moment, actually, as, a, as an adult, I was in my late 20s, and I was in university, and I was taking a Spanish course. And the Spanish course required a conversational component. And the conversational component needed to be practiced, quite clearly. And in order to be in our exam, we were graded on it, similar in an environment to this, with a microphone and someone sitting across from us with headphones on so they could clearly hear it if we used the proper uh, female-male form and, and enunciation and pluralization, et cetera. I hadn't practiced. I hadn't practiced because I had no time. And I was mortified because I was ill-prepared and I am not ill-prepared. That's just not what I stand for for myself. And I had to go in And it was funny because I was probably I think I was the oldest in the class and I went in and at the beginning of before the session even started, I just said, I'm very sorry. I feel uh, grossly ill prepared for this exam and I'm I'm not asking for an extension. I'm not asking for mercy by any means. I understand it's a university course, but I I'm just apologizing ahead of the time because I will not sound at all like I am uh, excelling the way I like to sound and and I didn't. I really didn't. And it was funny. I watched the, the professor happen to be a female and I watched her take in my information and the class was primarily young. And I watched her digest my information as though I was just yet another person giving an excuse for being lame, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak, um, or being uh, inefficiently prepared or insufficient in excellence, et cetera. And I had a split second where I, I it definitely went straight to my ego and I found myself thinking I am not like. And then I thought, no, stand in your own space, stand in your own body, take responsibility for yourself. And the responsibility I had to take was I was ill prepared. Me, whether or not she's going to think that I'm making excuse. I'm the one that's going to get the grade. I'm the one that's going to see that that a uh, spoken portion of the exam and realize, oh, I could have done better, but I didn't make slash have the time. So I can speak to what it feels like when you have that moment, that split second moment where you feel like you're letting someone down by laming out. I'm using a really old expression, I gather. Uh, however, for the most part, the awareness that I had in myself was so clearly guided by hey if if I tell you that something's going on that's not going to allow me to perform my best at whatever it is I'm about to perform at it's the truth and it's the truth right now and that I'm going to do my very best but and you know I feel like I feel lucky for feeling that because I know that a lot of the young people that I discuss discuss this with and actually I'm sorry I'm pausing a bit because I'm realizing no a lot of my friends my age also feel like they have to make excuses for not feeling well or or being injured or not being quote-unquote on their game and I feel like my goodness why do we do that what 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 standards being thrown out there that's making us be afraid to be human when when humans are unbelievably fallible and flawed and imperfect and and bound by gravity to cause injury to ourselves by the things that we try to do so yeah I feel I feel powerless actually in many a moment because I know that as I'm speaking a young person is looking at me saying thank you Sarah for believing in me and thank you for understanding that I'm hurt and I know they're also thinking but no one else is going to understand this. And so I'm going to have to just grit my teeth and go ahead with it. And again, that, that I my role, I feel, is it to empower. It's to give people a sense of their own self and a sense of their own state of being and a sense of clarity about all of those things and a sense of strength in, in expressing them. My role is not to interfere or to recreate or to step in and be them for a moment because that's not doing anybody any good because yeah like I've said before with friends well I could certainly um, express this for you but it's me expressing it so it's going to come out differently and it won't feel right for you and I feel like sometimes I just want when when someone's expressing an injury or a sickness I I just feel like it's it's one of those moments where, yeah, I would love to fast track to my medical degree, my naturopathic degree, my osteopathic degree, my physiotherapy degree, and hand them a note that covers every single subject and say, you're, you're okay. But then when it comes down to it, if that person, the person who I'm handing the note to doesn't feel comfortable knowing that they're injured or that they're incapable of doing what they think they're supposed to be doing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many degrees I have and I'm handing them. Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I can get into a whole thing here. Yeah, I mean, There's a whole, you know, um, yeah. I mean, oh, it's a whole other tangent. But, yeah, we live in a, a capitalist society where bodies have been commodified about what they can do, not who they are. And it's yeah. completely
0: ableistic and all sorts of things.
1: That's a whole other thing. <laughs>
0: I'm not I sense some the passion budget. there. <laughs> but I
1: have some yes yes. that is my own opinion um but you know yeah we we distinctly live in a culture where we are taught that our value a lot of the time has to do with how often we can say yes or we do say yes Yes. and not how we say no yes and and we're and we don't particularly live in a culture that um is a humanist no culture no even in a corporate setting or a professional setting we're able to deal with humans as humans I do have to say though because I've been in situations you know in studio training in a pre-professional setting in a professional setting where I've dealt with injury and had to communicate my ability current ability or my needs and I I want to talk about how to yeah how to communicate those because that has always been, you know, I can think of multiple situations there. You know, I think of a contract, which was a number of years ago now, but I ended up with a, a staph infection in my
0: knee. Mm-hmm. We
1: had maybe a month and a half of rehearsals before the show, yeah. a week of shows, and I was a primary role in the show. And um, I knew that I, I ne- obviously needed to take a few weeks off i yeah. would still be in rehearsals yeah i essentially ended up kind of rehearsal directing and yeah. um still being very present and involved yeah. but there was it created a lot of anxiety around when i would be able to dance again you know what sort of negotiations this was causing yeah and then you know and yeah there's there's this we you you mentioned this earlier that when you have when something has happened an accident yes you know i didn't
0: no, you Put didn't try to make a self infection, yes um,
1: yeah. you know that there's an, an admission of um, that I was being irresponsible with my yeah. body in some way that yeah. caused this injury yeah. to happen,
0: yeah
1: and yeah, and then I'm letting down the group, et cetera, et cetera et cetera but i I'm in in many of these situations I've been in, I know that my I can always trust that my ability to calmly, respectfully articulate where I'm at, where I think I will be and what I can, how I can be realistic with what I can give yeah. and, and really making that clear to the person that needs to know yeah, has, has really saved me a, a whole lot of stress. stress, yeah. 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 And not that it wasn't stressful. It was still stressful. Yeah. Of in, course in it is. Ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't know, that, that admission or that, you know, the perceived admission of of responsibility
0: is. Well, I think I, I, I totally agree and, and appreciate everything you said, because I feel like that it fleshes it out into a, a professional aspect. And also the, the greater aspect of that, like you said, that admission of guilt, I think that the young people don't even really realize that that's part of what they're dealing with. And depending on how they're communicated with, sometimes they are actually given a, a comment such as, you always get injured, or "Uh, Were, didn't you land it right? Or, you know, things that make people feel, again, like they've done something purposely wrong. And I, you know, I have been on the planet for a long time and I've been around a lot of different human beings and I've been involved in a lot of different walks of life and I certainly have spent a lot of time in the dance world and I can genuinely say that I have never known someone to physically injure themselves on purpose. I have certainly known dancers to eat poorly, sleep poorly, smoke too much, uh, drink too much, eat too little, um, have too many relationships of indiscriminate nature, uh, have too low self-esteem, etc. You know, negative, absolutely. But to willfully go across the floor, land a jump that crumples them over and cracks open their, say, fibula. No, no. It's, uh, It's something that I think people have to sort of keep at the back of their mind, almost with a sense of humor and just say, oh, my goodness, this is such bad timing. It's always bad timing. This is such bad luck. It's always bad luck. Uh, I am so frustrated. It's always frustrating. And now I need to express how I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to call my parent because I'm a minor and I call my parent. My parent takes me to a medical professional who diagnoses it. Tells me what it is, so I may then have words for what it is, helps me start the therapeutic process, and then guides me through an idea of what that therapeutic process looks like and what the outcome and the length of time that it's going to take. Then essentially the words are taken care of. All you need to express is that you will be there every day, unless you happen to have an orthopedic surgeon appointment or, you know, a a uh, naturopathic consultant, whatever it might be. And you will do your very best to fulfill an obligation to the unit, the greater good, the group. If that means helping an understudy, helping space, helping just with morale, hanging out being there and saying, oh, guys, I wish I was up and standing. I mean, anyone with two legs that's fully hale and hearty knows that that person's feeling that. But whatever it means, I feel that A lot of the time, I feel like there's just, it's, to me, it's kind of obvious. It is what it is. The person is injured. Let's now move forward because that's what we have to do with the injury. We have to start healing it and we have to make whatever the previous obligation was that's now being interrupted. We need to make it be able to go ahead as best as possible. And obviously, it would never be the ideal possibility because that person is part of that ideal possibility but it certainly can be more than sufficient if not highly successful and I think that people I think if they spent a bit more time focusing on that they'd be a little less disheartened and maybe discouraging (laughs) to others when injury crops up because quite honestly I have known dancers to suffer from deep depression especially in the professional world or the professional training world when They are sitting out for, you know, four to six weeks and taking notes on class and watching rehearsal, watching their parts be taken away from them, so to speak, because the piece needs to go on. Uh, Watching that spot at the bar or in the center that they're no longer inhabiting be, you know, taken by someone. There's a lot of psychological dealings in that. And I have been in that position. And I have to say it's hard. It's very difficult. And you have enough on your plate with that. And then getting yourself to and from therapy, and then the frustration of therapy and the setbacks and the possibly uh, using your, your dancer slash athlete, ethic, work ethic to such a degree that you push yourself too hard and then over exhaust in the in the injury rehab process. So I feel that We as educators and guides and choreographers and directors have to refocus the person who is injured to the fact that, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry this accident occurred. Let's get the first course is let's get you to fill in the blank and let's get this diagnosed and then let's get you start getting healthy. Then now let's look back at what you were a part of. What what roles were you responsible for and then how we can make that work? Because of course, there's probably... 12 to 20 other people standing by right waiting for it to find out what's going on and and I understand that that's a big responsibility but I think in the moment uh it's really important to remember that d- dealing with a vulnerable human means honoring that moment without a vulnerable human so that their course of healing proceeds faster did, did that address enough of where I felt you were go yeah. on okay
1: you know how do we be responsible to the injury mm-hmm. yeah and then to all of it because being mm-hmm. responsible to the injury is being responsible to yourself mm-hmm. and being responsible to the sort of the reality of the situation
0: mm-hmm. exactly
1: yeah which if we have a hard time even res- accepting that reality
0: yeah. then yeah. we
1: can't we can't be responsible
0: to no it, really. no and and i think i think it's important to remember too is is that I feel like a lot of, especially with young people, because that's who I deal with currently the most right now, is that I feel that a lot of them, they get this look in their eyes as though everything about them will be now doubted. And I want to say to them, you've always been here. You've always worked hard. You are an amazing part of a unit or a group or a team. And why would that be eradicated at this moment? Just because an accident happened that you're now going to try and basically fix and heal and and I feel like that's really important to make clear to them that man this is really unfortunate that this occurred now let's move forward and let's honor the fact that we need to get you better and that we're gonna you're gonna probably end up helping us in filling in the blank of you missing and I think that that then it becomes proactive and then uh, time flies right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then On that note, I do also have to say, though, traditionally, of course, understudies are under the impression they are there only in case of emergency or injury. And if they do step in, they may have to step out again. And I think that it's important to really give, especially when we're talking in an amateur world when that child is paying to be there, is to give them full accolades for thank you for stepping in and thank you for doing your very best and doing a good job and And also making sure that they are feeling appreciated for that moment and understood enough so that when they do see the healed person who was previously injured coming back in, it's not that feeling that they don't count anymore. Yeah. And that's that's a tricky one, because in the professional world, there's actually uh, ballet fairy tales about that. You know, the understudy steps in and ends up being so brilliant. They take over the role. Uh, It doesn't happen that often. It definitely happens. People do get some great chances and usually um, get more notice in the future. But the fact of the matter is, and I actually just recently had this very clear bit of information given to me by a student of mine who's become a professional in the musical theater world. And we were talking about understudies because for her role, there are two understudies because it is such a big role. And she said that it doesn't necessarily ever mean that they'll get to do that role. Sorry, I should rephrase that. They do do that role when she has a day off, or she's sick, or something. But they would never get to take over. So, say for instance, she just, she curtails her contract for some reason. It's not an automatic understanding that well, these two understudies know this role inside and out, and they've already performed it, so that one of them's going to step into the permanent position. No, apparently not. That that there's always this feeling that they are the understudy. So thereby they will never become the role. Mm -hmm. However, it was made clear by her to me that they are now given much greater notice when they go into an audition for something else. And so them auditioning for a major role somewhere else, a different role Mm -hmm. would be a complete sort of trajectory slash lateral move Mm -hmm. or upward move and easy to achieve. So understudies are very important and they certainly give a great deal of, I think, solace to those of us in a role that, and obviously we don't ever want to think, well, you know, I'll probably get sick. There's probably a time where I won't be able to complete this, but it's sure nice to know that you're not letting down an entire crew of however many people, if you aren't able to do what you were previously obligated to do.
1: It makes me think about, um, yeah, being reliable. You know, as in when you're in a group, you know, how are you able to observe roles other than your own? Yes. So if you, in case, in yes. case these things happen. And, yes. And how can you, yeah, better know the work, better know the choreography. Yeah. Um, and support the entire system sort of as a whole, um, rather than just... You, your singular role.
0: You know, one thing I will say to that is, is that translates into every field of work. I think that a lot of the time we are in a particular position or a particular role because it maybe innately is right at the, at the, the top of our totem. It is our it is our surface success story. It is how we see ourselves. It's how other people immediately easily see ourselves. But I think a lot of the time we have hidden abilities and talents that we're not maybe as confident or as sure of and if we keep our eyes open and look around you might find yourself stepping into say for instance an in, o- in an office setting maybe you've always been the person who answers the phone and um does the behind the scenes greetings and never runs a meeting or never uh, prepares a pa- prepares a powerpoint presentation or or organizes um, a boss's day, or deals with filing, or researching a particular subject in a, in a legal field. But you may have the uh, the innate or maybe just hidden skills for this thing, and if you keep your mind open to that, that could be something that you inadvertently end up doing, and and you either move into that permanently or it further flushes out and fulfills you, and in dance as you and I both know, if you are of the type of memory that can look around and you sort of out of the corner of your eye, so to speak, peripherally pick up on someone's role next to you, or if you can, you know, get a basic idea of where everyone is in the space. Hallelujah for you. That's um, it's not a, it can be a photographic memory. It doesn't necessarily have to be. It's a uh, it's in a huge asset. And if you don't have that, that's OK, too. There's always something that we can do. And I think that that's what people just need to keep in mind, possibly to move the overly um, magnified importance of prioritizing, fulfilling the original obligation, first and foremost. There's a lot of other things in and around that that I think that we can feel rest assured that we could fulfill and not let people down first and foremost ourselves, because we will be the ones aging with whatever body we decide to take care of, however we decide to take care of it.
1: Yes, these one moments that you speak of. Yeah. Hundred moments.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should just keep going back to the hundred years of moments, otherwise that's one very long moment. <laughs> well,
1: one moment can turn into many more
0: moments. It sure can. Right? And it, it one moment can sometimes feel like a full year, I'm sure, for a lot of things. I've had a few of those in my life.
1: A moment lasting a year. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah.
0: Both good and bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful time to uh, say, well, I don't, I, again, not goodbye, but let's let this moment rest at this time and, and let's think up something else that we can address in the many hundreds of moments we will have.
1: Yes, let's think something up.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Alyssa.